0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. The Rookie is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash therookie. Yasud, of course, wanted to drag everyone, non-humans included, out to the nightclub district. Quentin put a stop to it, saying the team had to stay sharp in a dangerous place like the Ace. And after beating the orbiting death, many of the city's residents would have been most happy to mess with a Nyanath Kraken. Instead, most of the team headed to the Dead Fly, a laid-back bar owned by Chodo the Bright's family. Chodo's family shut the bar down for the impromptu private party. Quentin wanted the team to stay together. Most came along, although Pine wanted to be alone and Quentin wasn't going to argue with him. Liquor flowed, which Quentin didn't mind as long as everyone stayed inside. The quarantine angered Yasud and Tweety, but Shoto backed up Quentin's desire to keep the team off the streets. Quentin started feeding Yasud and Tweety beers, and after six or seven, the two stopped complaining and started enjoying the night. While drink was in plentiful supply, food was another story. But you are hungry, Virak said to Quentin. There is nothing wrong with this food. Quentin worked hard to keep a straight face as he stared down on a tray covered with fried critters that looked a lot like foot-long centipedes, only not quite as appetizing. I don't think so. Those look like... His voice trailed off as Chodo the Bright walked up, a gin and tonic in hand, his eye a hazy shade of orange. Chodo's family had made the food, and Quentin could only imagine Chodo's reaction if he called it crap. It's fine to eat, Yitzhak said. He reached out and picked up one of the fried critters by a long front leg. He dangled it over his mouth, biting off a two-inch chunk. Just biomass. Perfectly digestible. Human and quick digestive physiology are quite compatible, you know. Vyrak and Chodo stared at Quentin, obviously waiting for him to eat. He gingerly reached out and picked up a critter by its leg, as Yitzhak had done. He held the thing in front of his eyes, his stomach simultaneously growling with hunger and churning at the thought of that thing in his belly. Eat, Chodo said. It's good. Quentin lifted the thing to dangle over his lips. He opened his mouth and started to lower it when Vyrak's phone buzzed loudly. Pretending to be polite, Quentin set the critter down as Vyrak answered the call. The quith warrior's eye changed from orange, the color of happiness, to pitch black almost instantly. What's the matter? Quentin said as Virac put the phone away.
0: Donald Pine is in the hospital. He's been attacked.
1: Quentin walked into the room, not knowing what he'd see. He didn't want to feel guilty. He hadn't been the one to gamble up a huge debt and start throwing games after all, but when he saw Pine in the hospital bed, he couldn't stop waves of the nasty stuff from washing over his soul. Pine was resting at a 45-degree angle, his bandaged head up high, both legs immersed in the pink liquid of a rejuvenation tank. A large, enamel-white, tube-like machine hid most of his left arm. White-blue bandages covered his forehead and right cheek. The hospital room would have seemed large were there fewer beings in it. With three key linemen, John Tweedy and Mitchell Fayette present, Quentin could barely see the walls. Hey, kid, Pine said. Great game. Thanks, Quentin said automatically. I watched it on tape. Seems I wasn't in much of a condition to watch it live. Yeah, Quentin said. He didn't know what else to say. Tweedy's brow seemed larger than ever. Somebody's gotta pay scrolled across his forehead in black letters.
2: We're gonna find the sentence
1: that did this, he said. Nobody messes with our quarterback and lives. The key linemen, Shodo Thicket, Kilo Yoat, and Budoshwek, grunted in monosyllabic agreement. Quentin had a brief image of wandering into a dark alley and facing Tweedy and the linemen. He shivered at the thought, then pushed it away. Vyrak, Kopor the Climber, and Shiat are out looking for the culprits, Fayad said. They think it was someone from the Big Diggers, trying to soften us up for next week. Vyrak thought it could be the Glory War Pigs, seeing as it might be us or them for the championship, but the doctors say your injuries may be healed by that time. Too bad for them, Tweety said. Our number two can win games just like our number one, eh boys? Fayad nodded. The Keys made their one grunt. They all looked at Quentin with pride. I need to talk to Quentin, Pine said. Alone. You guys give us a minute? The five Krakens players filtered out of the room, leaving Pine to stare at Quentin. I haven't had a hit of sleepy since my tier three days, Pine said. I'd forgotten what a great trip it is. You ever hit that stuff? Quentin shook his head. I didn't think so, Pine said. Wonder Boy would never touch a drug like that, eh? Well, at least he'd never take a drug like that. But I'll bet that if he wanted to, he could get his hands on an extra large dose. It's not my fault you're in here, so don't try and guilt me out, Quentin said, although he was about as guilted out as one could get. He should have known better than to leave Pine alone when Mopook's goons would be looking for revenge. Pine nodded. I know it's not your fault, kid. There was an uncomfortable pause. They messed you up pretty bad, Quentin said finally. Pine shrugged. Not so bad, really. They didn't want to mess up their investment. Notice they didn't touch the right arm and they didn't touch the eyes. Hell, rehab goes well. I'm back in the lineup in two weeks. Quentin looked up and down Pine's body. The man had been in surgery, then in a hospital room for three hours. With the speed of modern medicine... The fact that he still looked so rough was a testament to the beating he had taken. Mopook's men had probably cut on him for quite a while. Don't think this guilt trip's gonna go over on me, Quentin said, mustering far more conviction than he felt. I'm keeping the starting spot this time. Pine nodded slowly. Maybe. Maybe, kid. He looked away. I guess I've messed things up pretty bad. If I don't start, well... I guess I'm just not much used to them anymore. Pine wasn't begging for his starting spot, just talking out loud. Yet the sentence hit home to Quentin, even more than the injuries, even more than his own run-ins with Mopook. Pine owed money. As long as he could throw games, he was an asset to Mopook. If he wasn't starting, if his career was on the way out, well, Mopook would have to do something about the debt. Quentin had seen Stedmar Osborne deal with enough fixers and loan sharks back on McCovey to know exactly what would happen. If Pine wasn't playing ball, he was as good as dead. I'll take care of this, Quentin said. Pine looked hard at him for a few seconds. Stay out of this. This ain't your business. You did the right thing taking me out of the game. We're still in the playoff hunt, thanks to you. I brought this on myself. You get involved... You're just going to get messed up. I can't let you go alone on this, Pine. The veteran laughed. (laughs) You can't? Why not? You hate my guts. You've wanted me out of the picture since your first day with the team. Well, now you got what you want. So just let it be. I don't want to destroy two careers with my stupidity. Can we go to Greedock? Pine looked away. He'll kill me faster than Mopuk would. Greedock finds out I threw his games I'm dead. Hell, I guess it doesn't matter. I'm dead one way or another. Quentin nodded once, then walked out of the room. Outside, Tweedy, Fayad, and the linemen were waiting. They started to talk, but Quentin held up a hand, silencing them. Call a team meeting immediately. Get everyone, especially Cheyette. Tell Chodo to clear out the dead fly. We'll meet there. No coaches. Pokor and Greedock cannot know. What's this about? Fayette asked. Just trust me, Quentin said. What about Virak? Tweedy asked. He's one of Greedock's bodyguards. Totally loyal to him. Get him too. And tell him not to say a word to Greedock that I'll explain later. Tell him that our playoff hopes hinge on his silence. Quentin walked into the Deadfly bar. He saw a sea of familiar faces, or what pass for faces, looking back at him. There were no other patrons in the place, only Krakens.
0: This better be good,
1: Vyrak said.
0: Greedock does not like secrecy.
1: He's not going to find out, Quentin said. No one is going to tell him. No one is going to say a word about this, this stuff to anyone. That's the way it's going to be, got it? Quentin looked around the room. There was no sign of dissent. He'd called all these players together, and they had come. They looked back at him, waiting to hear what he had to say. Quentin realized that his on-field performance had elevated his status amongst his teammates. At this moment, he was their leader. Shia, Quentin said. How much merchandise can you get your hands on? I've already got my load, Chayette said. All I can carry. I didn't ask that. What if you had more carriers? Say around 40 other carriers. How much could you get then? Chayette looked at Quentin, then around the room, his eyes shifting to a translucent red of surprise. A lot.
0: Enough for everyone.
1: What is this? Vyrax said. You want us to smuggle drugs? Quentin nodded. That's right. All of you. As much as you can carry. A cacophony of shouting questions filled the room. Virac and Chodo's eyes turned deep, blackish-green. Shut up! Quentin's voice exploded in the small room, creating instant, stunned silence. Pine owes money, Quentin said. That's why he was beat up, because he can't pay. We're his teammates. We're gonna pay off his debt. Everyone does it. No exceptions. And no one talks! This statement left a sea of stunned faces. This is serious, Vyrag
0: said. Gredock ignores individual efforts. It's one of the benefits of being a player. The amount is insignificant compared to what he ships on the team bus. But the whole team smuggling? That's not something you ignore, Quentin. That's not being enterprising. That's being competition. Greedock does not like competition.
1: We don't do it. Pine is a dead man, Quentin said. That's no reason to lie to Greedock.
0: He is our Shamacath.
1: He's your Shamacath, Quentin said. Donald Pine is the Shamacath for the rest of us. He's the team leader, so you gotta make a choice. Virak's eye swirled from blackish-green to purple, a visible mark of his confusion. Quentin said, "Do you want to be a bodyguard or a tier 1 football player?" Virex said nothing. Quentin continued, "Without Pine, our chances of making the playoffs are pretty dim. Even if we don't make it, it doesn't matter. He is our teammate and we are going to help him. We either do this, all of us together, or Donald Pine is dead. We can't go to Greedock. You all just have to trust me on this." Now, does anyone want to back out? He asked the question, but his eyes and demeanor clearly said that no one would be allowed to back out. And no one did, except Rick Warburg. Forget this, Warburg said. I'm not putting my career on the line for Pine. Quentin glared at him. Yes, you are, Warburg. You're in. No way! I'm not going through this for a blue boy, and neither should you. It's a sin to help Satan's children. He's not a blue boy, you idiot. He's your teammate. I collect a paycheck. I don't have teammates, not from other races. I thought you were my teammate, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, Quentin said. I guess you were. Warburg stared at him for a few seconds, then walked out of the bar. head held high. Anyone else? None of the other players said a word. Maybe it was their love for pine. Maybe it was Quentin's will. Maybe it was both. Good, Quentin said. We got three hours before the touchback leaves. Cheyette, make it happen. Island in Frigid Lake Superior. A fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you
2: get your podcasts. Game 7.
1: Big Diggers 2 and 4. At Ionath Krakens, 4 and 2. Quith Irradiated Conference Standings. In first place, the Glory Warpigs, 5 and 1. A four-way tie for second, the Ionath Krakens, Orbiting Death, Wittok Pioneers, and Sheb Stalkers, all with records of 4 and 2. Tied for sixth place, with records of 3 and 3, the Grontak Hydras and the Quith Survivors. In eighth place with a record of two and four, the Big Diggers. In ninth place with a record of one and five, the Woo Wall crawlers. And in last place, with a record of O-6, the Sky Demolition. The shuttle banked down to the customs platform and into the express lane reserved for diplomats and foreign dignitaries. The team filed out and stood single file on the yellow waiting line. Three Quith workers dressed in white uniforms of the Quith system police slid hover sleds into the shuttle. The hover sleds were loaded with the typical weapons and explosive scanning suites. Kotop the Observer walked down the line of Kraken's players. It was a performance they went through each time the shuttle returned from out system.
2: The food must be good on Orbital Station 1,
1: Kotop said.
2: You've all gained weight.
1: Quentin, like the other human players, wore a baggy sweatsuit with a bulging, rounded belly. All the players had some new, bulky area on their body. The key linemen had bulging backs. Sklorno tails were fatter and longer. And even the quith warrior's thighs seemed far thicker than normal. Kotop stood in front of Irak.
2: This must be a very proud day for a warrior like yourself, Kotop said. I wonder who will be hurt by your newfound wealth.
1: Vyrak said nothing, simply stared straight ahead so he didn't have to look down at Kotop. His eyes showed no color. Moments later, the technicians exited the ships. No weapons, no explosives, one of them said to Kotop. The Quith leader clapped his petty pelps together once, then gestured to the ship. You football players
2: think you're so special, Kotop said. You flaunt the law right in front of us, and there's nothing we can do. Someday, someday, things will change. You sure this is the right way to do it?
1: Quentin sat in the back of a cramped hover cab. Virak the Mean sat on one side. Chodo the Bright sat on the other. You want Pine's
0: debt cleared?
1: Virak asked. Quentin
0: nodded. Then we have to show strength. A leader like Mopuk will not let go of a choice debtor like Pine. Not easily. You need to convince Mopuk it's in his best interest.
1: Quentin nodded again. He'd started this, and he'd finish it, but he hadn't expected anything like what was about to go down. Byrak, Chodo, Shiat, and John Tweedy were well-versed in violence. Real violence. The kind where beings died. Quentin could hold his own in any fight, but this was something different. He looked out the side of the open cab. They were in Ionath City's club district, a seemingly endless row of bars and dance halls, the street lit with brightly colored holo signs. Beings of all shapes and sizes crowded the streets. At least two fights were already in progress, one down the street to the left, one just off to their right. Quith warrior constables casually worked their way through the crowd to break up the altercations. We move now. Vyrak slipped over the cab's edge and onto the street. Shoto hopped out the other side. Quentin followed suit, walking behind the two Quith warriors toward a club called the Bootleg Arms. A holo sign above the bar showed a Quith worker using his pedipalps to repeatedly pour a gin and tonic. A line of beings, mostly Quith workers, although all kinds were represented, extended out the door and down the street. A Quith worker and three key, large but not as large as GFL linemen, stood near the door. The Quith worker instantly recognized the three Kraken's players and gestured for them to walk past the line. Vyrak and Chodo entered first, moving in front of Quentin like the blades of a snowplow. They ignored the Quith worker and the key.
2: Elder Barnes,
1: the Quith worker said, perfectly pronouncing the respectable Purist Nation title.
2: Welcome to the Bootleg Arms. If there's anything you need, I am TCAD the Groveling, and I assure you I will tend to your needs.
1: We want to see Mopook, Quentin said. TCAD bowed. Mr. Mopook may be busy, Elder Barnes. Go get him, Quentin said. Right now. TCAD bowed lower said something to the key guards, then walked through the door. Virak and Shoto followed t Quentin only a step behind them. They walked through the door and onto a lighted floor that swayed with dancers of all species. He wondered how any being could dance to that crappy Tower Republic music, but it was all the rage in the clubs. Floating flash bugs gracefully avoided the swirling dancers. The bugs emitted bright colors and time to the music's beat. The floor shook with the song's low bass tones, frequencies that seemed to vibrate every atom in Quentin's body. Smells filled his nostrils. Like most clubs, designer pheromones permeated the air, guaranteed to put an erotic edge on every patron, regardless of their species. He kept his eyes on Byrek and Chodo, doing his best to ignore the sensory assault. The crowd parted before the two quith warriors. Quentin couldn't help but feel important. The two of them moved like walking statues that radiated confidence mixed with lethality. They followed T-Cad to a back wall that seemed to vibrate slightly, in time to the bass beat, a hologram. Two quith warriors stood by the wall, not so gently pushing back any dancers that moved too close. T-Cad walked between them and right through the holographic wall. As soon as they were through... The music dropped off to a distant thud of bass and nothing more. Soft lighting seemed a direct contrast to the dance floor's garish flashbugs. Thick couches, some for all species but mainly tailored for the small bodies of quiff leaders, lined the walls of the small room. A large oval table sat in the middle, a clear glass top revealing a tank of swarming insect-like creatures. On a chair behind the table sat Mopuk. His key bodyguards flanked him one on each side. Quentin recognized them. They had beaten the crap out of him back on the deuce and had tried to rough him up on the ace. That was when Virac the Mean told the bodyguards that if he faced them again, he'd kill them. Quentin wondered if the two guards remembered the threat. tcad stood nervously, his petty palps repeatedly cleaning his eye, which glowed a neon pink. Mopuk's eyes, of course, remained perfectly clear. Sobox, Mopuk's rocking lieutenant, perched comfortably on Mopuk's small shoulder. Virak and Chodo each took a small step to the side. Quentin walked between them and sat down on a human chair, directly across the table from Mopuk.
2: Quentin Barnes,
1: Mopuk said quietly.
2: You saved me the time of coming to find you again. You cost me a lot of money this season, money that you'll have to repay.
1: I owe you nothing. Quentin said. But I am here about money. He pulled out a contract box and slid it across the table. As the box crossed the glass, the insect like creatures swarmed towards it, pressing hungrily against the glass top's underside. Mopook picked up the contract box.
2: What's this?
1: 4.1 million. Every penny that Donald Pine owes you. Mopook's eye instantly changed to translucent black. He slid the contract box back across the glass. The bugs vainly tried again to eat it.
2: That's not enough,
1: Sobox said.
2: "Mopook the Sneaky does not accept your offer.
1: He better, Quentin said. Pine's debt to you is paid. Now you stay away from him and everyone else on the Krakens. Mopuk's eye shifted to an even deeper shade of black.
2: You come in here and tell me what to do? I say that's not enough money.
1: Mopook gestured to the glass table.
2: Get out of here before I feed you to my pets.
1: You will accept this, Quentin said, leaning forward. You don't have a choice. Mopook leaned back, seemingly speechless, then looked to his left and gestured a petty pelp at one of the key. The two big creatures started to move forward, but hadn't even managed two steps before Virac and Chodo launched into action. Vyrak moved forward at blinding linebacker speed. He touched his petty palps together once. When he pulled them apart, a thin, glowing, silvery line ran from one to the other. He looped this line around the first surprise key and then yanked it tight. Black blood exploded like a water balloon as the key's upper torso fell away from the lower body. Chodo moved almost as fast, producing a fat blade from a hiding spot inside the carapace of his right arm. He jammed the blade into the second key's hexagonal mouth, bent it downwards, and thrust it right down the key's throat. Sobox flew up in alarm and reached into his tiny vest. Quentin didn't know if they made entropic accelerators that small, but he wasn't waiting to find out. He threw the contract box like a missile. It smashed into Sobox, knocking the Kretorakian backwards. Sobox hit the wall and fell to the floor, limp. Just before Chodo's opponent hit the floor, TCAD pressed a button on his belt. The holographic wall vanished, and an alarm screeched through the bar. The music kept playing, joined by noises of fear and surprise from the patrons. Flashbugs started filtering in, pre-programmed to diffuse evenly through any open space. The two key bodyguards were not Mopuk's only protection. Two Quith warriors sprinted toward the back room, each pulling a small pistol as they ran. Before the guns cleared their concealed holsters, flashes of black cloth hit them like phantasms. Both guards went down under the weight of a pair of Sklorno females. Haywick and Scarborough on one, Mezquitic and Denver on the other. As soon as the Quith warriors hit the ground, John Tweedy slid out of a booth, head down, hateful eyes up, moving like a silent tiger. "'Don't mess with Don Pine,' "'scrolled across his forehead. "'With a growling snarl, "'he put his fist clear through the first quith warrior's eye "'and deep into the brain. "'Clear liquid splashed up and out, "'covering Tweety's psychotic face. "'The second quith warrior kicked out, "'knocking Denver on her back. "'The warrior's petty pelps whipped like snakes, "'wrapping around Mesquitic's slender neck. "'Tweety flew through the air,' dropping all his weight on the prone warrior. As John Tweedy and the warrior grappled, deafening roars erupted, far louder than the bass-driven music. Five sets of waving, multi-jointed arms drew all eyes as the Kraken's offensive line, who had been quietly dancing only moments earlier, stood tall in their rear legs, 12 feet high and more imposing than a rapid Mullahills bullcat. Bar patrons needed no further urging. They ran for the door, a stampede of every species moving as one panicked mass. Tweety rolled on top of the quith warrior, grabbed his thick head in both hands, and jerked to the right. A loud crack marked the end of the conflict as the quith warrior quivered once, then fell still, motionless save for a quivering petty palp. Touch my quarterbacks, you loser, Tweety said. Losers don't get to make
2: that same mistake twice.
1: Black blood spread across the floor like a giant amoeba. Quentin had never imagined Key had so much blood inside their tubular body. He felt his lunch rising up in his stomach, but he steeled himself against the sickness. The game was on, and he would stick with it. t cowered on the floor, his body already covered in black gore as he rolled about, quietly begging not to be killed. Mopuk was still in his chair, his eye now the pure blue of total fear. Streaks of black blood covered him, even on his eye. He was too stunned to clean it off. Virak and Shoto stood rock still on either side of him, awaiting Quentin's orders. Quentin picked up the contract box off the ground. He walked back to his chair and sat, then slid the contract box across the table once again. The insect seemed angrier than ever, but the glass still held them at bay. The contract box slid off the glass and onto Mopook's lap. Last chance, Quentin said. You get your money. Pine is free and clear. Do you accept? Mopook picked up the contract box. He slid the tip of one petty palp finger inside. The box's light switched from red to green, signifying a completed transaction. That's that, Gwen said. Now that you're paid, I don't have to worry about you coming after us. I don't want to see you again. And don't think of letting it slip to Greedock as a way of getting back at Pine. You know what will happen to Pine if Greedock finds out. But you also know what will happen to you if Greedock finds out you were messing with his team and his players. Right? Yes, Mopuk said.
2: I agree. We will keep this to ourselves.
1: What about them? Quentin asked, gesturing to the two dead key that took up half the floor and the two dead quith warriors.
2: An accident,
1: Mopuk said.
2: You will not be involved.
1: Quentin nodded again. The music continued to blare, but over the horrible noise, he heard the high-pitched, rhythmic chirp of constables approaching. t Quentin said. The quith worker didn't seem to hear. Quentin reached out with a toe and kicked him.
2: Yes, Elder Barnes,
1: said t the groveling.
2: Please, is there anything I can do for you? You got a back door in this place? Yes, Elder Barnes, yes, right this way.
1: t scrambled to his feet, his body trailing dripping black strands of thick key blood. He ran deeper into the club. Quentin followed, Virak, and Shoto in front of him once again, the rest of his teammates behind. As the first constables ran into the bootleg arms, Quentin and the Krakens were nowhere to be seen. In less than 24 hours, the bandages were gone, the rejuve bath had been removed, and Don Pine's healed arms crossed over his chest as he lay back in his hospital bed, staring incredulously at Quentin. So you paid it? Pine said. Are you kidding me? While his eyes showed doubt, they also showed just a flicker of hope. Yeah, Quentin said. The debt is paid. They were alone in the room. Teammates sat outside. Not a moment had gone by when there weren't at least two Kraken players guarding their veteran quarterback. They're not just going to let me go, Pine said, shaking his head. They make more on one game than my debt is worth easy. Quentin shrugged. It's taken care of. Pine looked away. Those key scumbags have broke my legs. Cut me up. They'll be after me again. I know it. They won't be after anyone ever, Quentin said. Vyrak and Shoto saw to that. Pine's expression relaxed into wide-eyed amazement. But why, Quentin? Why would you do this? I didn't do it. The team did it. Pine nodded. Yeah, I'm sure of that, but off the field, most of these guys can't even stand to look at each other. Someone had to make them work together, and I know it wasn't Virak and Shoto. It was you. So why did you do it? All you had to do was stay out of it, and the team was yours. Quentin looked at the floor. I don't know. You needed help, and I helped. That's it. Pine extended his blue-skinned hand. Quentin had shaken the man's hand before, but this was different. Quentin stared at it for a second. Ten weeks ago, to think a blue boy would be his true friend, well, that was simply unthinkable. Quentin shook Donald Pine's hand. I won't forget this, Pine said. Not ever. Quentin rolled to the left as the rest of the team moved right. Hocor had held the naked boot in reserve all day, but played that card late in the fourth quarter. The Krakens held on to a slim 20-19 lead, and they needed to put the big diggers away. Surveying his options, Quentin kept the ball in his left hip as he started turning upfield at the diggers' 28. Kittyara Lomax, the diggers' all-pro linebacker, saw the naked boot and gave chase but he was the only one. Quentin looked downfield. Rick Warburg had blocked down, then bounced left on a 10-yard out, and Denver was angling for the end zone's back left corner, covered closely by Arkham. Run or pass. With the speed of a supercomputer, the options flashed through Quentin's brain. He had three or four steps on Lomax. Arkham already had three interceptions on the day and had kept her team in the game by preying on Quentin's passes like a piranha on raw meat. Rick Warburg was open, but he was also a racist jerk. (laughs) Quentin tucked the ball under his left arm and angled for the sidelines. He sensed everything. The home Kraken's crowd jumping and roaring. The missing patches of IMAT where Cleats had torn up the turf. The smell of dirt and sweat and blood. Lomax's desperate efforts to cut him off. Warburg's look of fury when he realized that Quentin wasn't going to throw. Quentin leaned into the run, his legs chewing up the yards. Lomax was faster than he'd calculated, and dove for Quentin just as the young quarterback reached the sidelines and turned upfield. But Warburg was there, Coming free and fast, and blindsided Lomax with a devastating, head-snapping hit. Quentin's long, graceful strides belied his speed. The yards slid by like water on glass. Denver tried to block Arkham, but the cornerback effortlessly pushed the receiver aside and came up the sidelines at Quentin. It would be a head-to-head battle. Arkham's legs blurred as she kamikazed her way forward. At the 11, Quentin screamed and lowered his head, smashing into Arkham, more a linebacker delivering a concussive blow than a quarterback scrambling for yards. Arkham was bigger than most Sklorno, and faster, and she carried a devastating amount of force. Quentin ran her right over. He stumbled after the hit, legs pumping high to avoid a trip. Arkham crashed to the ground, defeated, crushed. Her raspers reached out at the last second, scraping long strips of skin from the backs of Quentin's hands. The world slammed back to reality as Quentin crossed the goal line, trailing a stream of his own blood. He chucked the ball into the stands, then stood with both arms outstretched, redness dripping to stain the blue iomat, his tilted head looking at the roaring, adoring crowd. That's right, he thought as he turned, surveying his fans. You do not mess with Quentin Barnes. It's time for Sports Headlines. All Galaxy quality content taken from the pages of the INS City Gazette. Backup leads Krakens to fourth straight win by Toyat the Inquisitive. It seems that the purest nation finally has an export that interests citizens of the Quith Concordia. That export is Quentin Barnes. The rookie quarterback once again came to the Krakens' rescue, filling in for oft-damaged starter Donald Pine, who was out with unspecified injuries. Barnes led the Krakens, 5-2, to a 27-19 win over the Big Diggers, 2-5, and put on a showcase that combined unstoppable talent rookie inexperience, and more speed than any human has a right to possess. Barnes threw for 305 yards and two touchdowns, as well as running for 82 yards and adding another touchdown on the ground. This all-pro caliber performance was marred by inconsistent passing. Barnes was 19 for 35, including three interceptions. Quote, the Diggers threw some coverages at me I hadn't prepared for, said Barnes. Arkham robbed me blind all day long. End quote. Arkham, the Diggers' crafty veteran cornerback, repeatedly disguised her coverage and capitalized on Barnes' inexperience. Arkham notched all three interceptions, but was knocked out of the game late in the fourth quarter with a crushed right thorax and torn upper right tentacle. She will be out for the rest of the season.
4: League Roundup, courtesy of Galaxy Sports Network. Woes and misery continue on Wittok, where the Wittok Pioneers, 4-3, drop their third straight game, this time to the previously winless Sky Demolition, 1-6, on a last-second field goal that gave the Demo a 21-19 win. Even though starting quarterback Condro Adrian returns to the lineup this week as the Pioneers travel to the Wu crawlers 2-5, Wittok is basically out of the running for the division title. The wall crawlers notched their second win of the year by topping the Quiff survivors 3 and 4 by a score of 28-24. The INF Krakens made it 4 in a row, topping the Big Diggers 2 and 5 by a score of 27-19. INF rookie Quentin Bond showed that the Krakens may be the team to beat in the future, but are they good enough to prevail in this week's showdown against the glory War Pigs? It's winner take-all at Warpig Stadium. The Pigs, 6 and 1, are in sole possession of first place thanks to this week's 32-10 drubbing of the Sheb Stalkers, 4 and 3. Orbiting Death, 5 and 2, remain in the running for the title, but need the Pigs to lose their last two games and the Krakens to lose as well. Death hung a 17-7 defeat on the Grand Tech Hydras, 3 and 4. Death. death. Percy Gaines, tight end for the Wu Carlos, died on a clean hit by Toppenaby, the head-hunting defensive back for the Quith Survivors. Week 7 Players of the Week. Offense Quentin Barnes, quarterback, INF Krakens. 19 of 35 for 305 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Also ran for 82 yards on 12 carries and one rushing TD. Defense Arkham, cornerback, Big Diggers. Eight tackles, three interceptions.
1: You have been listening to The Rookie, season one of the Galactic Football League series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song, The Kids Are Coming For You, by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com.
2: You're kind of sick